Beginning again with our 45-minute meditation. Settling back in with awareness and attention. And simply receiving whatever is most prominent in awareness. In this way, bringing ease into the practice. Simply receiving, recognizing, allowing space and time for what is known to be felt. And from time to time, noticing how are you relating to what you're experiencing? What's the attitude of mind? And as you're noticing the attitude of mind or the relationship with what's arising or what is arising in itself, perhaps noticing, is it wholesome or unwholesome? Another way of asking that is, is it helpful or is it not so helpful? Is it supportive or not so supportive? From time to time. And again, no problem with coming back to awareness and beginning again and again, noticing what's arising now, what's hanging out now what's passing, and what's my attitude towards it? Is that attitude wholesome or unwholesome, helpful or unhelpful? One note, just so you're aware, our sitting will be a half hour long, and in the last 15 minutes I'll offer uh, some dharma for which you can continue to meditate or you can open your eyes at that time. I'll ring a bell before I begin that.
And as you notice whether something is wholesome or unwholesome that's arising, this is not so much about judging what's happening. It's more about discerning. Does this lead in the direction of more ease and freedom for me? Or is this leading to more stress and difficulty? And simply noticing that, not needing to do anything about it, just being aware.
In one of the suttas, the Buddha describes four types of people who should be considered a loyal friend. A helper, one who is the same in happy or unhappy times, one who points out what is good for you, one who is sympathetic. We can practice like that friend. You know, happy to see and experience again or see what's arising again, even if we were gone for a while, uh, drifting in thought, weren't in touch, willing to begin again. As we go into each moment, um, we're renewing our awareness, renewing our attention to how experience is changing. And the practice shows up for us kind of as the ideal friend, whether we're whether we've been continuously here or we've drifted a bit, whether we've been having a happy time or an unhappy time, pleasant or unpleasant experience. And the friend shows up, the friend of uh, awareness shows up without, without punishment. You know, it doesn't scold us. It can show up as a friendly curiosity about where you went with a sympathetic sympathetic attitude towards what you're experiencing now that you're back and how it is for you. So another quote from Norman Fisher. Emerson and the Buddha both believe that spiritual friendship requires two elements, truth and tenderness. Spiritual friends are honest with one another. Dogen writes of the power of kind speech. Speak to sentient beings as you would to a baby. Speak with that much tender love and sweetness. Norman Fisher says, I can receive a true friend's criticism with loving kindness because it comes from a loving heart seeking only my benefit and well-being. So we can consider awareness and when we become aware of our attitude or our relationship to what's happening in exactly the same way. It's a, it's a good messenger. It's a kind friend. Um, and by the way, if you have a tendency to believe you have all the responsibility for what occurs in your body, heart, or mind, the idea either I'm making this happen or I like or I'm I'm making this happen. Wow, aren't I great? Or I'm to blame for this happening. Actually, you could experiment today in a little bit different way. A good friend wouldn't blame you or make you responsible for everything that happens, and neither does the Dharma. It's a Awareness just stands ready to receive whatever's going on. And it's coming from a place we could think or, or decide that befriends the body, heart, and mind in a non-possessive way. It doesn't need to own all these conditions that are cropping up as I, me, or mind, but instead can just sort of be with it in a relaxed, natural way. This stuff is happening as a result of all kinds of conditioning. It's a natural human experience to have had conditions. The conditions could be things we've been through. They could be 
family things that have been passed down, things in our culture, really conditions are much more complicated than just us. In helping differentiate or discern um, this wholesome and unwholesome that I mentioned, discern between what's sending us off in more stress, dissatisfaction, and suffering versus what's helping us towards freedom. Um, our attitudes, our actions of thought, speech, and body are thought of in Buddhism as wholesome or unwholesome. Wholesome leading towards freedom, unwholesome leading towards more suffering. So when we notice various experiences in this vein, we can just gently note which direction they're heading. Is this helpful? This is not so helpful. So if things have been difficult for you this morning, uh, a good friend might inquire in a gentle way about how you're relating to it. For example, have you ever had a friend say to you, aren't you being kind of hard on yourself? Or um, you could ask, is the way, you know, your friend awareness could ask, is the way you're relating to this helping you? Or is this, you know, part of what's keeping you tangled up? And of course, a friend wouldn't demand that you have a different experience, nor that you have more of an experience. They'd only be concerned about the way you're talking to yourself, perhaps, or how it's affecting you. The third foundation of mindfulness uh, in the Satipatthana Sutta concerns awareness of the mind, states of mind. In it, the Buddha notes, one knows a lustful mind to be lustful, a mind without lust to be without lust. One knows an angry mind to be angry, and a mind without anger to be without anger. One knows a deluded mind to be deluded, and a mind without delusion to be without delusion. So here the Buddha is pointing out the three ways we commonly relate to experience that is unwholesome that leads in that direction of suffering. They're called the unwholesome roots of mind. So lust is also known as greed. Anger is also known as ill will or aversion. You know, this tendency to push away, not like, want a different experience. And delusion is also known as ignorance. Um, and that's a hard one to notice, but we can become aware of it. So noticing in this passage, he's encouraging a kind of simple awareness of it. He's not saying one knows a greedy mind to be greedy and then beats oneself up, oneself up about it. <laughs> Nor is he saying one knows a greedy mind to be greedy and then goes with it, building up more and more lust for whatever it is that would feel good to have more of. He's just asking us to simply be aware the presence of greed or the absence of greed. Similarly, this phrase, one knows an angry mind to be angry, I, I find a more useful translation for my understanding is one knows when aversion is present in the mind or when aversion is absent. So again, he's not saying one knows aversion is present in the mind and so uh, escapes, pushes away, 
avoids contract contracts and closes in, tightens up. Um, he's not saying the mind then resists, hates, ruminates on thoughts about how much we dislike it. No, he's just saying one knows a mind with aversion and one knows a mind without aversion. So this is simple awareness. And as for knowing a deluded mind, we can notice areas of confusion, vacillation, doubt, lack of clarity. Are blind. We can become aware of blind spots. And it's a real insight when that happens. So the Buddha is encouraging that we simply know delusion once it shows itself, oh, a mind with delusion or a mind without delusion. So we've been friends with this friend, the mind. <laughs> we've been close to it, let's say, for a long time. Maybe we haven't been friends with it, but we've been close to it. And sometimes we've been friendly with it. And we've probably seen all those states of mind. I just named those three unwholesome roots. In the same way we'd listen to a friend's woes again and again, accompanying them in their struggle without imposing the answer, we can listen to this mind again and again as, it, as we become aware of more and more subtle levels of wanting, not wanting, delusion. It's the stuff of human life. And when we've lived through enough of it, this experience, we become mature enough to know that it's the process of that struggle and that awareness over time along the way that strengthen the mind, strengthen our awareness of what's happening and help us choose the wholesome towards freedom. Our best and kindest friends approach our struggles um, not with a, an agenda or with, oh, <laughs> um, but with an easeful attitude. Um, and so that's how we can befriend our own experience in this practice. It doesn't need to take um, uh, extreme striving to listen yet again to the struggle. We can have this quality of caring that allows this easeful, relaxed friend of awareness not to be in a hurry for us to solve all our problems, but willing to listen in an easeful way as we gradually unfold and understanding dawns. So this is something that's become important to me over time. I was in a big hurry to check it off, check, 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 when I was first doing practice. And over time, especially as I taught the Eightfold Path over and over again, I became aware we really have to sign up for deep curiosity and see layer after layer, more and more subtle levels of this and get to know it really well before some of these things will lift off. So the lunch hour is a perfect opportunity to continue this process. Um, what's our relationship with food? Is it one of wanting? Or is it a little aversive? Do we stuff in nutrition because we know it's necessary or have a certain amount of relishing it? Um, 
it's it's such an interesting area in which to practice because because food's a necessity we have to interact with it fairly frequently and this means our relationship to it to it repeats itself again and again um, this can make it an accessible area to be aware and notice what goes on in the mind um, and it can mean we've or it does mean we've possibly conditioned the same behaviors over and over again and if we have some problematic or persistent unhelpful habits that contribute to our dissatisfaction they can be challenging as they persist over time because it's like darn i thought i nailed that one i thought I, well for a long time i thought i was over caffeine and it took so many repetitions of the struggle with caffeine for me to realize no can't do it so we may find ourselves kind of dismayed like i was to be repeating a problem problem relationship over and over again even if we know that our behavior isn't helping us but the reason to be mindful of eating is not only is it a rich practice but there's been a ton of social and emotional conditioning around it often uh, so you know we're all aware families um, and friends sometimes organize celebrations around food and drink including some that are very attractive to us on an evolutionary level they're high in fat they're high in sugar meaning they're quickly metabolized and lasting uh, that offer lasting satiation sometimes things that were helpful to our early ancestors who had to work much harder to get their food than we do and because celebrations and socializing center around food um, there are associations um, sometimes with happy times sometimes with the opposite you know if dinner time was a time of heightened tension and conflict in one's family or uh, for some people eating feels like a duty we slog through so we could get back to more interesting stuff so all of those attitudes and relationships are something we might be able to observe over lunch as well as the awareness of physically what's happening what's happening in the senses so remaining aware of all of the processes what you're experiencing right now just in anticipating a meal the meal preparation the eating itself watching the mind the emotions the body what are they showing you and again with a quality of simple friendly awareness um, so enjoying every piece of the mindfulness practice during the meal and we'll see you back here in one hour at 1 pacific time see you soon